Hi there. This is Sam Musgrave, pastor over college and young adult ministry at Trinity Community Church. This podcast is a collection of the sermons from our gatherings. My prayer is that you will grow in knowledge and love for King Jesus, or maybe come to faith in him for the very first time. Join me now for this sermon. Proverbs 22, Proverbs 25, the terror of a king is like the roar of a lion. He who provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. Mordecai would have sinned against himself by doing something that angered King Xerxes unnecessarily. He who loves purity of heart and grace on his lips, the king is his friend. Do not promote your majesty in the presence of the king and in the place of great men. Do not stand. Self-advancement brings the humbling, mighty hand of God in opposition. The self-abasement, self-forgetfulness, God loves by that same mighty hand to exalt highly. Mordecai was wise and wisdom is humble. And may we worship the God who makes holidays of horrors and turns the objects of execution into symbols of praise. The poor of Purim, the cross of Christmas and Easter. I want to read a quote, one of my all-time favorite quotes. I'm not going to mention the name of the guy who said this because I don't necessarily want you to read everything that he says, okay? But this he got. Mwah, it's delicious. It's Jake's, it's like Jake's focaccia bread or whatever. Is that what you call it, focaccia? It's what Jake calls it, focaccia. Fills it with lovely goodies. What You made a couple loaves. What'd you fill it with? He was telling the, all the leaders about it earlier. What was it again? Oh, they're gonna find you're gonna find out tonight. They're gonna find out tonight. Go take go try some of Jake's focaccia bread. Listen up, ladies. Jake is an excellent cook. All right, he's a great great cook. Now, this one figure says some of the most profound words I've I've ever heard or read. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony it is possible that God says every morning do it again to the sun and every evening do it again to the moon it may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. 
it may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. Fascinating thought, is it not? The God of holidays, ours is the God of tradition and repetition and recreation. That's our God, the true God, the only God, the living God. Have you ever thought the title, the living God? We've got a God who knows how to live. We've got a God who really lives. He lives it up. He's the living God. He is the God of life and life more abundant. He's the God of what makes life awesome. When you think of living, really living, you think Christmas carol level celebration. You think Christmas, you think feasting, you think Thanksgiving, you think the big deals. That's life and that's the God that we worship. The God at whose heart is an eternal eruption of holiday. What does he tell us? The first holiday he makes, Sabbath, rest day, after creation. And he just looks at creation, he says, enjoy it. This is good. This is very good. And what does he describe eternal life as? Rest, Sabbath, holiday, forever holiday, eternal life. Every day better than Christmas. Can't wait. Therefore, chapter 9, verses 26 to 28. Because of the words in this letter, both what they had seen in this regard and what had reached them, the Jews established and accepted a custom for themselves and for their seed, their offspring, and for all those who joined themselves to them. You remember, many Gentiles had repented and had converted to Judaism, had repented to the God, Yahweh, and became Jews. So that celebrating these two days, according to what was written down, and according to their fixed time from year to year, would not pass away. So these days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, every city. Thus, these days of Purim were not to pass away from among the Jews, nor their memory come to an end from their seed. Another related dorky thought. Why are children so childlike? Would we say children image God any less than their parents? Children, dear Christian, are childlike because... God is. God is childlike in all the best ways. Kids image God unlike adults. Just like strong young men and wise old men and beautiful young women and elegant old women image God, children image God uniquely and image something about him that we profoundly enjoy. 
Do it again. Do it again. Life never boring. Life never old. I want to ask you a question, a strange question. How have you become too old in ways that defame God, that do not image the God who lives, the living God, the God of joy, the God of holidays? And how can this specific holiday season, 2023, help you grow young like God? It's like the weirdest message you've ever heard, huh? Celebrate Christmas like the Jews were to celebrate Purim. Celebrate Christmas like Christ will be born this Christmas. Celebrate Christmas like Christ will return this Christmas. Celebrate Christmas like it's the first Christmas ever celebrated. That's what they were supposed to do on Purim year after year after year after year. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. And the wonders of his love. We prove them. Our lives prove them. Chapter 9, verses 29 to 32. Then Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to establish his second letter about Purim. She stamped it. She authorized it. She put the royal signet on it. And he sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely, words of peace and truth, to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for their seed with words concerning their times of fasting and their crying out. And the declaration of Esther established these words concerning Purim, and it was written in the book. Let it be written. Let it be done. Official importance now conjoins the original voice of Jubilee. We had the letter sent out that was just, it was just exciting And now Esther adds to it official importance. Though the feast is pure joy, do not forget it's mandatory joy. It's obligatory joy. You must be joyful about this. Royal letters were often intimidating. It was often a scary thing to receive a royal letter, but this one is peaceful. It's words of peace. Yet it's also true, which means it's serious. So Esther is being both really kind, really warm, and seriously grave at the same time. Christians are that way, by the way. They're the happiest people on the planet, and they're the most serious. Purim is not only a celebration. Esther adds here that we are remembering our terrors. We fasted. You feast on happy days. You fast 
on sad days and we fasted. We starved ourselves for days and we cried aloud. To whom did they cry aloud? Notice that everything is incognito in this book. We know what that means, but it's written in such a way that the hostile unbeliever might take it and say, okay, well, fasting and crying aloud, people do that. To whom are they crying aloud? Before whom did they fast? From start to finish, the book of Esther is silent on God, brilliantly so. As in life, A believer often feels God is shy. God's people often suffer persecution in pagan cultures. So Esther as a book is a template for exalting the invisible God's visible providence, his sovereign work behind the scenes. Without mentioning a miracle, without mentioning a single intervention of Yahweh, somehow the believing reader is held in God's breathless suspense throughout the entire book. Esther reminds a believer how God is the primary cause who loves to use means, who loves to operate through secondary means, you and I. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Mordecai and Queen Esther must be wise as serpents and innocent as doves in pagan Persia. They disguise dependence on God as fasting and crying aloud. But there's no mistake in this book who's running the show. Remember the thesis statement of it all. Back in chapter 4, verse 14, if you, Mordecai says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise. How? For the Jews from another place. Who's he speak? Who's doing that? Who's making deliverance rise from another place other than Esther? And you and your father's house will perish. Esther, if you choose not to be God's instrument, God will save his people through another means and you're going to die. And who knows whether you have not reached royalty for such a time as this. You see, Mordecai is blunt. God will save the Jews. Join or die is his message. And she listened wisely. Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap. The die cast on the table in Vegas but it's every judgment is from Yahweh. Every decision of the die, every decision of the lot is from Yahweh. So Purim screams providence. Chapter 10, verses one to three. Then King Ahasuerus set forced labor upon the land and the coastlands of the sea, the entire empire. And the entire work of his authority and his might and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had made so great, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus and was great among the Jews 
and pleasing to his many fellow brothers, one who sought the good of his people, and one who spoke for the peace of all his seed. What did we just read? The power of King Xerxes is flexed only to prove how God had promoted Mordecai to utter greatness. Mighty Xerxes, who can enforce labor across an empire, has Mordecai as his trusted enforcer, the leader of the persecuted Jews. 58 years before Esther became queen of Persia, King Cyrus of Persia had allowed the Jews to return, some of the Jews to return, and rebuild the temple back in Jerusalem. It's finished only 38 years before Esther is crowned. 34 years after Esther's coronation, King Artaxerxes the son of Esther's husband will release Nehemiah to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. He may, we think, have been Esther's son, but he certainly sympathized with the Jews. Why? Esther 9 and 10. Furthermore, Nehemiah specifically notes in his book the queen sitting next to the king, revealing her influence over him. Many rightly wonder if it's none other than an aged queen, Esther. Although this is a remarkable kindness of the Lord, Esther's high station, Mordecai's high station, the protection of the Jews in a hostile world, should we mistake Mordecai's ascension, Esther's ascension, as the ideal situation? What does the cliffhanger of Esther leave us anticipating? Second place? Jesus will come and he'll die for his people. He'll come to that city rebuilt by Queen Esther's commission. He'll come and clean out that temple rebuilt. And salvation, not only from inevitable death, as the Jews had in Persia, but salvation to immortal life from eternal death. So we celebrate this season and every day far more than Purim. Father, we ask that you would give us hearts inflamed with celebration and worship. Our great King, high above the heavens, is sympathetic toward us and is going to return to reign with us, with us who have loved his appearing, with us who have eagerly awaited his return. Thank you for Esther, O Lord, and may you breathe spiritual fruit in our hearts through the word tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. For up-to-date information, 
follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. Until he returns, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you.